You are now tuned to Priority One Subspace Frequencies. Brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, the galaxy's premier shore leave destination. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, this episode we trek out Star Trek Renegades. Joining Adrienne and me today is Scott Nakata and Chris Dawson, some of the creative minds behind the highly anticipated fan film project. Scott Nakata is currently the art director for Star Trek Renegades, and Chris Dawson is Team Renegades uh, Visual Effects, responsible for all the visual effects there at Renegades. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, joining us this evening. Thank, thank you. you very much. Why don't we start off maybe with a little bit of an introduction. Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've gotten involved not only in Renegades, but you had a very big participation in Gods of Men as well, correct? That's correct. For Star Trek of Gods of Men, I was involved with producing the props for that. So I did prop design and also some art direction during post-production in the third act of the film. So... uh, Along with that, some storyboards and a few other items. It was a pretty wild, fun ride, and I uh, have certainly heard a lot from fans. I appreciate the work that we did for that. Excellent. Now, Scott, you're currently working as art director on Renegades. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What are your responsibilities? Well, some of my responsibilities is, in part, the overall look of what it is we're trying to put forward. So with that, I'm also producing props for the film. I get the dual titles as art director and property master and in general we're just trying to make this the best looking film that we can put forward so the fans have noticed and will notice in the final film that we've moved forward with our design to our the overall look it's going to be more sophisticated and i think that's going to be something that the fans and viewers for the first time in star trek will actually like now, I'm, I'm curious. So you're saying you're going to be producing props, are you? And and Chris, who said he's also going to be more on set, going to be working hand-in-hand on anything, like maybe electrical or maybe some type of overseeing some construction aspect. As the art director, the way it works out typically is Scott comes up with, with uh, various looks. He definitely he's working between Sky and Tim Russ. He will He's coming up with looks and designs and those of us on the visual effects side will be trying to implement those designs so in a way he'll oversee what we do and throw in his suggestions and his ideas and he basically provides a lead that we sort of follow. Now Chris what team members do you find yourself working the most with? And I'd love to talk about you a little bit and, and find out about your involvement in, uh, in both Gods and Men and Renegades. Well, I started on Gods and Men because I saw, I believe it was an ad at a at one of the uh, sci-fi websites where they were looking for people, and I sent something in and actually didn't hear anything back. I work professionally in visual effects, living here in Los Angeles, and I didn't hear anything back, and then all of a sudden I heard from Scott and Sky and another gentleman named Peter Christian, 
and they brought me on. It was they'd already shot all their footage, and a lot of the visual effects were already started. So I sort of jumped in and put in my work, and I think it was it was a lot of fun. There were the artists on board were fans, and they were completely dedicated, and it was a real love affair with the work. As far as Star Trek Renegades, I had been talking with Sky about it, but had never really been committed to anything. And then Scott called me up and said, would you like to be involved? And at that point, I was sort of really intrigued with being involved because most of the things that I was doing professionally were just not that exciting. I mean, they were big, giant films and everything, but they weren't as exciting as the thought of working on a Star Trek piece. I worked on Star Trek Insurrection as a camera assistant for a couple of shots, and I worked on Star Trek Nemesis. I did a lot of motion control. I did the, uh, the shots with the two datas, which meant that I was on set all the time, working with Brent Spiner and Stuart Baird, the director of the film. And that was one of my first, one of my first CG jobs. So I did a lot of tracking when they're driving in that dune buggy and they look up and they see the shuttle datas flying the shuttle overhead. I tracked that shot and another artist provided the shuttle model to my track. That's, that's visual effects talk for matching the camera. So as far as Renegades is concerned, I will be taking on a uh, probably a smaller piece than I did on Star Trek of Gods and Men. And there'll be other visual effects people dividing up the work between Michael Strzok, who's done a lot of fan films, and Tobias Richter, who is absolutely amazing at his spaceships and um, his, his CG skills are, are really, really awesome. He's out of Germany. And I believe he'll be handling the bulk of our spaceship shots. I'll be handling some shots on uh, future San Francisco without giving away any ideas and then a few shots at the opening of the film. And I'll also be on set. I've been working with Tim Russ directly and we had a we had a great walk through Scott, Tim and I and the rest of the team at our stages and it was a really it was just a great creative thing it probably drove the writers nuts because we were just bouncing ideas off of each other and coming up with new stuff and now we have to build it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you actually you answered part of my question too about the working pretty closely with certain team members i was curious which people you might work with that are outside of visual effects that you have to yeah i didn't really answer that sorry i go off on tangents um no no it's cool with the director of photography pretty closely. I'll be Mm. working with Scott very closely. The director of photography is basically going to shoot what Scott designs. And in the cases where we have to do visual effects, where we have to do set extensions and whatnot, along with the sections that Michael takes on, we will throw in our technical needs for the lighting, hopefully finding ways not to hamper the director's creative vision and DP's creative vision so that we can actually walk away technically with footage that we can use and use effectively for visual effects shots. So I wanted to ask, so you guys have had a very successful run already with Gods and Men, right? It was a great, great film. What is different this time? What have you taken away from Star Trek of Gods and Men and are doing differently this time around? Wow, I... I I think that the big takeaway on this is what we learned from doing of Gods and Men the first time. Definitely bringing enough help, reaching out to the fan base, and more technical lands of production. I, I think, I feel for myself, that was a big takeaway from it. So when we start ramping up for Renegades, 
talking about who we need and everything, one of the first things I did, said to Sky was, we need a big visual effects crew. We really didn't have that on, on Gods and Men, and, you know, it was basically fans, myself included as a fan. You know, there was no visual effects studio involved, so this, this was basically everyone working from home, including myself, on their home computers. And we tried to push it as far as we could. I tried to bring a level of technical expertise to the thing, which, you know, to what you can do on a home computer. And one thing that we're going to do a little differently this time is a little bit more horsepower. I have more computers this time around to dedicate. Michael Strzok certainly has a lot of computers, and Tobias, of course, has, has a great setup. But the real thing, quite honestly, is bringing a little bit thicker skin as a fan, yes. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, we got a lot of criticism over the Internet, both on our visual effects and a lot of other things. And, all right, one or two shots, perhaps it was deserved. But, you know, it was kind of like, wow, they, they're trying to compare us with ILM. And it's like, all right, well, you give me $10 million, what I'm used to working with, and you give me an entire <laughs> facility and about a year, even though it did take us about a year. Yeah, I can get you, you know, ILM-looking visual effects, but right now it's basically fans and an overwhelming passion. When it boils down to it, there's there's always going to be that type of criticism, but from what I've heard and from what I've seen of Gods and Men, it is 100% awesome. Because just (laughs) for the same reason that you just said, it is by the fans, for the fans, at no profit to really anybody. You know, th- this is not something that you can put up in your backyard. Gods of Men, and I'm sure Renegades is the same thing, that you can put up in your backyard and expect that million-dollar budget you were saying. But I do want to express that not only did I appreciate the film, but everybody that I've spoken to, everybody in the community that we work with, the Star Trek Online community, and the greater Star Trek community that we've dealt with, have said amazing things about Gods and Men, and they're very excited about Renegades. Well, it, keep the excitement going. I mean, take it from someone who actually has worked on two big Star Trek films. There's a whole lot of passion that is being poured into this because that's what it takes. I mean, that's your paycheck, your passion, and what you take away from it. And True. of all the yes. things that I've seen from Scott and his design team, is just amazing. And I really want to see this film. I mean, yeah, I want to work on it, certainly. But I want to see this film. I mean, I want to see this cast. I want to see this story, which we're not allowed to divulge any details to you, I don't think, but I'm very (laughs) excited to see this and take it from someone who's been on a Trek film and has worked right there with all the Trek actors, uh, next generation actors, and from someone who's snuck onto Deep Space Nine and Voyager sets (laughs) many, many times (laughs) just because I was working on a stage next door or something like that. This is going to be pretty neat. I do want to say there's there's one point on Star Trek of Gods and Men, I had one of my all-time career highs. And this is, again, this is from somebody who works on major motion pictures. But for me, when we were shooting of Gods and Men on location at Vasquez Rocks, which was my first day on the show, we were told that we had to be out of there around at 6 Everybody kind of thought that meant that we had to stop shooting and start packing it up at 6. And I think it was about 20 minutes to 6, the park ranger showed up and said, you guys are going to be out of here at 6, aren't you? And and we're like, yeah, we're going to finish at 6. And they're like, no, 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 you need to be out of here. And everybody turned and looked at the giant, 
you know, guardian of forever. The guardian. Said, oh, my God. <laughs> we got to get that down. And we all just stopped. And we just ran at it and started tearing it down. And here's Tim Russ oh, taking pictures. Man. And I'll never forget being with, essentially being with Mr. Tuvok at Vasquez, famous Vasquez Rocks with the Gorn and uh, Mintaka 3 and all those places that it's been. And we're tearing down the Guardian of Forever and it was just the greatest thing. And he's running around, he's helping and he's taking pictures and the actors pitched in, everybody pitched in. It was truly amazing. But that was a lot of fun. That's so cool. I, I got lucky to uh, be able to hike the Vasquez Rocks when I was growing up, ever since I was younger. I guess my dad would just figure that was an amazing place to go, and maybe because of also Star Trek, which I didn't quite put two and two together yet. I think I vaguely knew that Star Trek had been shot there, but I loved the rocks, and he would take me there and then take me up to the very top rock, you know, where the famous battles happen, and it's always in the back scene. And I just think it's wonderful when people go back there and they film there, because it's just, that place is just the greatest history. It's so awesome ton of history at that place. You know, those buildings of Cestus III were an old fort. I mean, they got torn down sometime in the late 60s or very early 70s, but they were for uh, some TV show, Adventures of the Bengal Lancers or something like that. Some t- it was either a TV show or a movie from the 50s, and that was the western fort for a lot of movies, but it was Cestus III, and it was right there at those rocks. And you can today you can kind of see where, faintly through the vegetation, you can kind of see where it was. But you can definitely recognize the mountains behind it. Now, speaking of story, what can you tell us? Since you're kind of like, mm, I don't know. Is there anything you can say about the story? Obviously, Star Trek Renegades is called Renegades for a good reason, right? We're talking about a crew that the very top brass at Starfleet Intelligence, Tuvok and uh, Admiral Chekhov, have put together. So that's where our story starts off. So Star Trek Renegades follows a good mix of this new crew that we're introducing and familiar elements with Starfleet. So we've got a lot of talented actors on board. We've got a lot of talented professionals who are also Star Trek fans, as Chris pointed out. Obviously, someone like Chris and his background, and if you IMDB his background, you would probably freak out like I did. But Chris is actually a really great guy. Uh, yeah, it is. We've all got a passion for this, and everyone that is working on this is very talented and professional. So it, this has got some really great potential for being a great trek. And if we can pull everything off the way that we want to do it, it's going to be fantastic. Now, it's not just Star Trek actors playing different roles, but actually several of them are reprising their roles in this story, correct? Yeah. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, Tim Russ is Tuvok, and Walter Koenig is Admiral Chekhov. And there will be other people who will be reprising their roles, and without going too specific. And, <laughs> uh, of course, I think you can, again, you can look at it on the IMDb, or you can look at it on the Facebook page and see just how much there is there that is reprising roles. And for that reason alone, I think it's really great. I just wanted to say I'm a big fan of the novels. I I love reading Star Trek novels, and there are actually novels that, while typically filmed productions really don't care about novels and they don't necessarily care about the continuity, our show didn't actually try to do that, but it sort of does in a sense, because, uh, and I think it's just serendipity in a way, Chekhov and Tuvok serve together on Captain Sulu's ship for one of the novels, and uh, at least that I've read. 
and so there is a very logical precedent that this is where, you know, 10 years after Voyager has come home or some long period after Voyager has come home, it sort of makes sense that these characters have wound up in the situations they're in. If you happen to be a fan of the books, you won't have to really... I mean, there's always... You have to kind of rectify everything a little bit, but there is a good continuity there that just kind of fell off the truck, I think. <laughs> so again, for me, as a fan of the book, I really look forward to it. And I think also I might want to just add, non-visual effects-wise, I think Renegades has a lot of potential to put forward that the great meaning of Star Trek. For me, Star Trek was never really about guns and killing and space battles and anything like that. And of course, we're going to have a lot of that stuff. But, you know, Star Trek was about exploring the human condition. And I think that this particular group of characters, as they evolve, the show gets picked up and we can continue it. As they evolve, they have a very unique situation amongst themselves to provide that ground to go in and explore the human condition, which is what I think Trek was always good at and one of the reasons oh, yeah. why I think it survived. True, and yeah. I think that we'll have a far better place to show that and to explore that and to jump into that while also showing, you know, Star Trek of the future and whatever you might think of where Star Trek is currently going. Our show, I believe, will... I personally feel that our characters, our situations, will advance what Mr. Roddenberry started and what others have continued on. And I, I think that it could be, if this gets fully made and actually comes out as a series of webisodes, or even better, if, if it came out as a, either a regular or a semi-regular television series, it really has potential great potential with this cast and with the characters and how they've come about and why they've come about and the situations they can be presented with can really help advance the whole Star Trek mythology and everything. I think, it, I think it's a worthy, personally, I think it's a worthy successor. Now, without having actually been a part of the production process, I got to agree with you. I mean, just from what I've seen from the Indiegogo campaign alone, the amazing cast, the concept is great. And I really, I hope CBS is seriously considering supporting or taking this in. At least I know it will get a following just because of the amazing cast and team. And obviously, there's just a wonderful story and the passion is just obvious. It's great. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. I'd like to pose this question, though. You know, you've tossed around whether it goes as a web series or, you know, who knows, maybe even Netflix or, you know, CBS themselves. What are your thoughts about the different industries or different types of content distribution for something like Star Trek? Is it better in the hands of the fans through fundraising or ultimately would it be better off back in the hands of a corporation like CBS? I think that you definitely have to have either a very dedicated group of people that are willing to provide everything that you need to do a Star Trek series, or you need to have that corporate backing. In the end, however, though, I know that there are a lot of fans that work in production at CBS, fans of Star Trek, that is, specifically. And I think that if you have a fan that loves Star Trek, and they happen to work for a major corporation such as CBS, I think that you wind up with the best of both worlds there because then you got what we all know and love in the hands of people that know and love Star Trek. So 
to answer your question, I don't think there is any one particular side that you could pick, if you will, side for being a lack of a better word. So the best place for it is in the hands of fans and the corporate entity itself. It's the only way that you could really say with any absolute certainty that you're going to get a story that you're going to like, you're going to follow, and that has a chance at succeeding as a regular series or anything else. I mean, there are other web series out there that are done fantastically, fantastically. There's a couple out there that have just blown doors off, and it's fantastic. I, I just can't say enough. But again, there's the fan component in that. So you still have to make sure that it's properly funded, or at least you have all the materials and resources that you need to make sure that it does what you want it to do. Now, I'm thinking about what you said regarding what you learned from Gods and Men. I imagine the visual effects process and software, especially with a low budget or non-big studio production budget, would be different. And I was curious if you or both of you could give me a insight as to how that differs with you know, is your software different? Does, how does the process change for a lower budget? Well, I'm using a lot of the same software that was used on the TV shows, on the, you know, on Enterprise and whatnot. I'm using LightWave 3D. I believe Tobias uses Maya, and I know that Michael Strzok also, like me, is using LightWave. So we're using the same software. I'm certainly bringing, like I tried to do on Star Trek of uh, Gods and Men, I'm bringing in, you know, the concepts of technically how to render spaceships and try to make them look good, and uh, it just basically comes down to our individual capabilities, because we don't have a huge facility behind us in each case, so, you know, it's like renders could take a long time, whereas at a facility you might kick off something and render it and get feedback in about five seconds or five mm -hmm. minutes anyway, and yeah. uh, whereas we might have a couple hours to, to get our feedback. You know, and there will be a release, you know, there will be a point where, yeah, okay, we're done, this is it, this gets cut into the film, wherever it's at, and we're we're definitely pushing to do it the best we can. But as far as the basic software and whatnot, again, it's the same thing that was used on Enterprise and Voyager, and there's a lot you can do with it. I mean, really, quite honestly, there's a lot that a single person can do nowadays a single very creative and dedicated person who has maybe a day job so they can keep the lights on so that you know the stuff can be done but as far as being on set we're basically you know again to sort of jump into that last question having a big corporation behind you that's well funded and gives you you know basically gives you a budget to work with is a really good thing and so on set we have a very limited budget so we really have to pull out of that limited budget and be very creative with limited resources and that's probably with we're planning we're trying to plan for it not to happen but it'll probably happen that you'll see a lot of set extensions and things like that things that we just couldn't build on stage and it'll be between Mike Strzok and I how to figure out how to get that up on the screen. We have one ship in particular that there will be quite a few set extensions on. And again, when you're dealing with people who don't have a budget behind them, you're basically relying upon what they can do as individuals. And so each of us are, are planning our work out to give individual members of our team the best that they can do and the best that can come out of them. 
we have some artists that do one particular thing really, really well, and that's what they're going to be doing. On Gods of Men, I was presented with a group of guys that had a hell of a lot of passion, but they didn't necessarily know some of the more sophisticated ways of doing things. So there was a little bit of an education process, but for what I wanted to do and the reason why I really loved that team so much was that I would push them in directions that they weren't necessarily wanting to go. So somebody who was a model maker ended the show being someone who made fire and explosions and great things like that, and he became my go-to person for, okay, I need an explosion here, okay, I need a burning plasma coil over here, okay, I need a phaser, that sort of thing. And, and if nobody's getting paid, at least they can grow in their skills, and that's one thing that I really like to push. I do that professionally, and then I'll do that on this show, too. When I see what I, at least what I think is maybe potential, I'll push it, and I'll push it and try to get stuff out of it. And... We have, there's one member of our team from Of Gods and Men, Roland Barron, who is building one of our main ships, and it is amazing. I believe you've seen pictures of it on our publicity material, but uh, yes. Roland really, really grew. I mean, he came on Gods and Men, he was one of the most prolific of, everybody was prolific in their work, but Roland really kicked stuff out there, and I definitely want to say a shout out to him and how much I appreciated him on that show. You know, he started out a building model. He's a great model, CG model builder. He's a pretty good texture artist. And at the end of the show, he was compositing shots, doing the animation, and he had great skill at animation. So <laughs> I look forward to seeing what he does. But everything he's doing so far is absolutely amazing. I mean, the, the, our, our hero ship, he's, he's building single-handedly and painting and texturing. And normally in a facility, you might have 10 guys doing that. You might have 10 guys just building the model and another 10 guys just painting the model. And here it's being done by one person. Wow. So, um, so now is Roland yeah. doing that based off of John Eve's drawing? Is that the, that ship you're talking about? Scott, it's a Scott Nakata design. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. It's awesome. And it's, an, it's a cool ship. I, I really think it's a cool ship. And I think probably people in the audience have probably seen this ship on Facebook or certainly <laughs> on our flyers that we handed out at the convention. And it's a great vessel for our crew. This is the sleek design with the four nacelles, right? Yeah. The one on the yeah, Indiegogo yeah. page? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's cool. The Icarus. Okay. Cool. But I'd like to say something concerning that last question you had about where is Trek best at? You know, is it in the hands of fans or is it in the hands of CBS? I'd want to echo what Scott said. I believe that if you had, I mean, honestly, and this is just my opinion, if CBS said, hey, we'll give you this money, you'd be responsible for it, you'd be responsible to us, and then you guys go for it and keep it coming, I think that would be the greatest thing. Will that really happen? I don't know. I mean, I work in real-world Hollywood, and I see things the way they have to be, and, the, and it's not always what's best, but it usually is what people feel might be efficient. But if the best of all worlds, I think, would be for us to be responsible to a budget and be responsible to a certain entity at CBS or, or whoever, it would probably be CBS, we could churn this out, and we could create a really good product and I think because we are fans and because we're in touch with fans and I think that we try to respond to things that fans say and fans want being fans ourselves we can all kind of talk the lingo I think that if the show 
became a regular series, a regular thing, I think that it would be so much more amazing than waiting four years and finding out, okay, here's the new movie. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. I mean, hey, I worked on Nemesis, and nobody, like Marina Sirtis always says, nobody went to see it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why. I thought it was great. And if anybody had seen any of the hijinks that went on behind the scenes, they pour in to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit now about the Indiegogo project. So there's a bit of a time crunch. You have a goal, and that goal has been met. You're already, yep. uh, from the time of this interview... 26K plus, yeah. You're at 26K, and but the buck doesn't stop there. You're, you're hoping to reach a bigger budget. Let's talk about those tiers. You have a really good tier on the Indiegogo page that discusses them a little bit, what the goals are, what you can do with more money. Can we cover that a little bit for our audience? Sure. Let's go for it. Just a brief overview, I think. So right now you've hit 20000 and the Indiegogo will continue, and the best goal would be that 200000 correct? Yes. Yeah, it's 100000 for the ultimate goal. So you touched on it earlier, the John Eves question. Obviously, we've brought some very, very recognized talent from past Trek, John Eves, Rick Sternback, and a number of other hands that have worked on Trek as well. Well, one of the things that Johnny's is doing for us is he's designed a bridge set for us. And as art director, I would really appreciate and love for this bridge to be built. Part of the reason is the existing set space that we have allocated for the bridge could be better. And if we can build it from scratch, we'll do much better. Absolutely. That means, yeah, I mean, you've seen uh, the artwork on the Indiegogo page. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> John knocked the design out of the ballpark, with, and kudos to John Eves for doing that for us. He's been fantastic to work with, and he's just immensely talented. So the various other tiers, I mean, yes, the, the $20,000 minimum was what we minimum needed to accomplish basic shooting. So we've got other tiers there, tiers for doing alien sets, alien worlds that we need to create. As Chris touched on earlier, we're going to have to do some green screen extension. I just don't see any way of doing it unless we somehow build a 40-foot-tall set anyway. But (laughs) (laughs) that being said, the alien sets themselves need to be as practical as possible, so we have to build those. Then we also have to have additional money for better costumes, more and better prosthetics. Mm -hmm. The producers want to do a siphon monolith that actually opens, moves, things like that. Currently, we're not allocated for things like that. And ultimately, if we can, we want to build the bridge for our new cast. So the goal really wasn't 20000 Our ultimate goal is 100000 plus or better. And if we can reach $100,000, we'll go ahead and just use, make sure that all the money is put on the film in front of the cameras in one way or another for the fans to see and ultimately enjoy. So, yeah, speaking of the new ship and bridge designs, which look great, and I didn't know, Scott, you had designed the hero ship. It's gorgeous. There are also the preliminary designs that are done by Rick Sternbach, if uh, if I'm reading the Indigo right, and then, of course, John Eves with the bridge, and then there's a never-before-seen Klingon warbird design, which looks really cool. So Rick Sternback is actually designing a Starfleet vessel for us. It's the USS Archer. This is all public, so it's not anything 
that's a big surprise. So the engines that you've seen before on Indiegogo are actually of the USS Archer. So Rick is very involved. John Hughes is very involved as well. John is doing a good number of designs for us, including that fantastic new Warbird. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that does, really that does look gorgeous. Sharp, yeah. <laughs> yep. That, that new Warbird is very to the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. <laughs> so... Absolutely. The more money you get, the more these things can come to life from scratch and absolutely less green screen needed. And they're gorgeous. I, I was actually curious and on the line of tech. Is there any new Star Trek portable tech we're going to see? Any new types of consoles or handheld devices? Yes. <laughs> I like that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, hey, yes. I'm gonna jump in real, real quick, and then Scott, you take it. But, but uh, nope. Tim, Tim has sort of tasked us with. There's some things that Tim really wants to see, and they are quite. They're very cool in concept, and there's stuff that we really haven't seen before in Star Trek. And it's technology, it's Starfleet technology, it's other people's technology, and there's some room for some really cool stuff. And when we had our first walkthrough of the sets and we were kind of talking about all of this stuff and, okay, well, what do we got? What can we do? Where can we push it? And I know that I basically locked eyes with Tim a half a dozen times and said, what if we did this? And he would go, well, what if we did that? And I said, well, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And, and it was really <laughs> a lot of fun. And that sort of thing benefits the fans and just to kind of touch on that last question with money the amount of money we've raised is great certainly but in the real world of hollywood filmmaking that buy you lunch mm -hmm. so i mean there's really a lot of money that goes into scenes and goes into stuff in terms of building sets in terms of like our visual effects crews will not be being paid and so i can't necessarily draw upon the talent that would normally be three, four, five hundred bucks a day and before the money would run out. So we're sort of trying to do everything in, in camera or in front of camera where possible and leaving the best for, you know, to put up on the screen with what we've got. So I don't see any stopping, you know, on the Indiegogo thing or even if there's yet another fundraiser. If we got a million dollars, we still wouldn't be paid. It would still go up on the screen and it would still not be enough. So to, to compete with that level of creative vision. So when you see this film, try to keep that in mind because you'll probably be seeing comparable to some of the big films as much as we can give it to you, but it's mostly going to come from blood, sweat, and tears. That's about the only way you can make these things. So if CBS wanted to jump in or another entity wanted to jump in and give us a budget and, and we would be responsible, again, to echo what I've said before, a lot could happen. You know, a lot could happen. So... Yes, well, agreed, we, Evan. you know, these sets, there really are a lot of sets, and the sets that we have available to us right now they have a little bit different look. They, they sort of look outside of the Starfleet we're used to, but then we are outside the Starfleet we're used to. But on the other hand, we do have a certain Starfleet presence, and we are trying to figure out ways to get it done. And again, the amount we've raised so far would be lunch, maybe one or two days. I mean, I remember the meals they cooked for us on Nemesis and Insurrection, and I can tell you, and all the other movies I've worked on, 
this this is not a lot of money in, for making a film and so any little bit everything helps and everything will go to screen i mean people have to hammer the material together the material costs money i mean even if everybody's working for free at some point you run out of qualified personnel to do stuff i mean there are only so many star trek fans that are willing to work that are professionals that do this stuff that are willing to work for free yeah um again i can't bring in some of the high-end artists i do have some high-end artists that are willing to work for me on this on a on a pro gratis or a gratis whatever you call it basis um but again i i can only take on a certain amount and that's one reason why we divvied up the visual effects side of things so yeah, I say, hey, keep on giving because we'll be taken and we'll be putting up. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I mean, so as of this interview on Sunday evening, August 18th, there are 26 days left to contribute to this uh, phenomenal project. If you loved Gods and Men, then you're definitely going to love Star Trek Renegades. And gentlemen, I want to thank you both for stopping by here with us. Are there any last comments you'd love to let our listeners know about? Special secrets, anything, thoughts? For our listeners that want to help us out, but maybe can't afford anything right now, you know what, that's perfectly all right. But if you can't afford anything, do us the big favor because we have to raise $100,000 uh, to meet our ultimate goal, or a little bit more if or we more. can yeah. <laughs> uh, that. Help us out if you can't donate by simply telling your friends about the, the Star Trek Renegades project, about the, our Indiegogo fundraiser, which ends on September 13th, and just spread the word. Put a link up on your Facebook page or, or Google+, whatever other social media that you use, or word of mouth. Just get the news out there, because we really need your help, and that's the way that you can help us out, directly or indirectly. So, obviously, donations would be great, and uh, as a member of the crew, I just want to thank everyone that has supported us and put their donations out there for us already. And um, for those that may have heard about this project through this podcast or through word of mouth, please, we can use your help. And um, I just wanted to thank everyone that's out there, all the Star Trek fans, all the professionals, just really just thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting us and spreading the word for all the people who donated via kickstarter and indiegogo right now you're helping make this project happen and there's only there's a whole lot of us who are just totally excited to be able to to be involved in this and to be able to have something to work with, some money to work with, is just fantastic. And it'll it'll happen thanks to all the people that have supported it. And I, I too, want to just say thank you so much. We're all volunteering on it. We're all pouring in our blood, sweat, and tears to make it happen, to keep that vision going. And I really, really feel that this is, this is going to be a good trek. This is going to be a real good trek. You know, they've been saying, you know, this isn't your dad's Star Trek, and in some ways it's not. But I'm your dad, and I'm old <laughs> enough almost to be your dad. And I can tell you, I, I love it. It's valid. So. <laughs> yes. And we love it, and we think it's a great concept in production. Again, amazing cast and team, and such passion. And absolutely, I I think this is this is just awesome. This is beautiful. So thank you, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much 
for you guys putting out the word too. We greatly appreciate it. All right, it's our pleasure. What we I do. you know, I, what I want to say is on behalf of the fans, thank you for giving us content that that we're not getting from yeah. from the main people, right? That it's you know, there's no Star Trek on TV, but we have something like Star Trek Renegades to look forward to, content that we can digest and new uh, stuff. New, new stuff. stuff, which is fantastic. Yeah. And thank you all for your hard work. We hope that this podcast will spread that word and more and more people will, will share it and uh, perhaps participate if they can. And if not, then tweet it and retweet and share it on Facebook. Absolutely. All right. Sounds great. Thank you very all right. much. Thank you very guys. much. Gentlemen, thank, thank you. you so much. Again, Scott and Chris from Star Trek Renegades. We look forward to, uh, to the future. Keep on trekking. <laughs> Live long and prosper, guys. complete.